0: Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Goslowski. You're listening to Radio Regent, which is, as usual, available at RadioRegent.com, but now it's available through iHeartRadio. So we're very excited over here, and I'm very excited that uh, I'm going to be talking about the 19th annual Planet in Focus International Environmental Film Festival. It's taking place next week, starts on the 25th and goes to the 28th. And before I go any further, I'm just going to tell you that the best place to go for information is the website planetinfocus.org, O-R-G. And right now, I have a guest, and I have a guest that has point something films in the festival. (laughs) You'll learn what that means in a second. Um, Dan Brown, he's a Toronto based filmmaker. So you know, local hero, Uh, filmmaker, photographer and multimedia artist. And his works are quite vivid and dense and generally what I've seen driven by this amazing kinetic energy. And it's it's quite a complicated practice. And yes, There is an environmental theme happening in the three films that we'll be showing. He's got Three Shorts, Concrescence, Taylor Creek, and Generation. And they will be showing uh, in front of the film Island of Hungry Ghosts. Uh, And we'll tell you about the point something a little later. But first, uh, (laughs) let's get Dan talking about his style. There is an interrelationship.
1: Hey, Barbara. Nice to be here. Thanks very much.
0: Yes. Thanks <laughs> nice. for having me. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you again and talk to you again. Yes. Always nice.
1: Yeah, I was here last year during TIFF.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: Uh, happy to be back.
0: Good, good. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, you're... you're being or being present in other festivals, mm-hmm. and that your work, um, it, I would call your work, you know, experimental, but I would call it also like very approachable because of the the way that you have this interrelationship between the, your style, between uh, the way that your style explores perception and the way that you explore environment. So before we get to that interconnection there and that dynamic play, let's talk a bit about your style so people have a sense of what we're talking about.
1: Sure, yeah. So the, the three films that are being screened, um, they're, all, they're all kind of, uh, of, of cut from the same cloth, you could say. Uh, they're using a style that I developed about, um, I've been working with that style for over 10 years now, but uh, the first film that I... I authored that was made in that style is a piece called Memento Mori from twenty twelve, and basically what's happening is is um, normally with a film it's it's composed out of of moving images which are are a collection of still images that are are recording one thing in movement, um, but uh, my films are collages of still images um, shown at the speed of moving images, so still images in which every single frame. Of the film is changing is a different aggregate of still images Uh, and what that produces is kind of a a kinetic flickering effect where images appear to move Uh, they appear to move in a lot of different directions Uh, there are many images layered on top of each other Um, and it creates kind of a this this kinetic uh, pulsing um, texture, which uh, which is often very colorful, uh, filled with with different shapes. And uh, in these particular works, uh, there's there's these sort of interspaces of black between the passages, which uh, I kind of liken to different lines of a poem. They're, if you were writing a poem, you'd have, you know, you'd read the poem and you'd read kind of each line, and there would be a bit of a pause and a break. And there are these kinds of breaks for the eye because they're quite visually overwhelming.
0: Hmm, and and breaks for the the person's consciousness. Who the person like m- for me perceiving and and taking in all of this. It's it's nice to have those breaks to sort of reflect, even for a second on the on what's moved, what has moved in front of me.
1: Yeah, it also it also kind of creates these after images as well because the yeah. images are are there's. There's kind of a debate as to, to how many images can you see, uh, you know, if they're flashed at you very quickly. And in this case, I, I think that it's not possible to see all the images in the film because they move so quickly. But sometimes when there's a space, you'll be able to see this after image. But really, that, that kind of sense of, of overwhelming you with, with, with images is is really kind of the point of the piece. And it, it actually kind of um, plays into the, the environmental aspect of it. Um, uh, in that, I'm 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 one of the people who I'm most inspired by is uh, Marshall McLuhan, great Canadian communications theorist, and uh, I think that he is. Uh one of the most interesting uh, philosophers of the environment in a way, and not somebody who's generally acknowledged in that. He thinks that media environment, people talk about that, but he also talked a lot about the actual environment and in terms of how uh, when we kind of put technology into space with satellites that we kind of eclipsed nature, we eclipsed the world and, and uh nature becomes figure in a way that it was never previously, whereas it used to kind of be this ground that all of a sudden once we're once we're in outer space, once technology surrounds us, nature becomes a figure. And and uh, so in his work, there's this kind of interesting play between figure and ground, and for him, environment is always ground, and environment is always invisible. Um, so we live in this this mediated environment now, where where media is everywhere. It surrounds us. We're constantly uh, tapping into screens and so on, and uh, that's kind of become invisible to us. The fact that we live in this in this you know four uh, G uh, network uh, culture, where video can be streamed at any point, we're always in contact through these methods and uh, through screens, and and we kind of forget what that does to our bodies in a way. So uh what I was interested in doing with these pieces is is basically trying to create an experience would be which would be um a little bit intimidating and overwhelming to the point where when you finished watching it you might not want to look at a screen for a second you might be reminded that you're in a body you might want to afterwards go out for a walk and uh you know understand that you're seeing with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in this program, they're, they're showing at the beginning before a feature. So I don't think they, people should go out for a walk. No. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it, does, it does create a bit of an, a different experience um, in the cinema than, than other films may, where you're very acutely aware of the fact that you're, you're, you're in a body, you're sitting watching a movie, you're having this experience. And that's what McLuhan would call an anti-environment and uh that that kind of brings out the the nature of 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 the media and mm-hmm. of the experience things that we might not might not otherwise uh, uh think about that we take for granted mm-hmm. and um you know it's it's my belief that uh, if, we're, if we're going to develop a greater ecological consciousness, a greater environmental sensitivity, that we need to uh, become more sensitized to the way that our environments are, are being transformed, the way that they're mediated. And um, for me, one of the ways to do that is, is by uh, providing this intensified image.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's also, an, for me, it was an intensified experience. Of an environment. Mm, Because it's recognizable that we're out in nature Mm -hmm. and it's recognizable through the movement within the film.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's three different pieces. They're all shot um, sort of in and around Toronto. One is in a park in winter. That film's called Concrescence. And, um... It's taking a term from uh, Alfred North Whitehead, um, who's a philosopher of process and describing how objects come into existence. So it's this kind of liminal film in which you only can kind of barely see the edges of of this tree that I was shooting in a park. Um, And uh, the second film, Taylor Creek, is is at the... uh, in the park of that name in Toronto and uh, just a study of that park um, shot very rapidly in the winter, in the fall rather. And then the the third piece generation is uh, shot in a uh, uh, orchard, uh, one that I've actually shot several different films in um, with other members of my family. And uh, it's a film that has my, my son in it and mm-hmm. it, sh- it shows him walking. Uh, it's the first film that, that he shows that. And so um so it's a subject that I've I've visited and revisited a few times, and uh, and I really like that title because he's the next generation of 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 my family. But then there's also this generative aspect to the images, the images being combined and reformed and. Regenerating in these ways mm-hmm. uh, through the the layers, and and it's you know another aspect of the films is that the the images themselves uh, repeat many times, mm-hmm. so uh, you'll you'll see an image a few different times uh, in different contexts,
0: mm-hmm. and that that repetition is what helps me define my place in that natural. Mm. You know, I know you were talking about the mediated experience of the environment, um, but yet I still can't help but recall that. In in slight contradiction to that, there there was also my experience of the natural, which was heightened,
1: sure. in a way. Sure, yeah, but the way it's 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 which uh, sounds
0: contradictory to what you're saying, but, yeah, but to it, me felt like it, it felt like somehow it melded.
1: Mm, interesting. Well, I mean, the the images themselves are are, are highly synthetic. I mean, you're you're the but. In a way, I, I feel that they're more natural because they they provide an expression of those spaces which don't rely specifically on a visual understanding of space. There's almost more of a tactile or kinetic feeling mm-hmm. of the space because the images are moving by so quickly. So you perceive the objects that are there, but you don't really get a chance to kind of grasp or orient the space in the way that you would with a so-called natural image, which in reality is constructed based according to the optics of a camera and is itself a mediated object. Mm-hmm. So... This is kind of my response to the fact that people tend to look at regularly photographed images as these natural objects, but really it's a language. And like all languages, it's been developed and refined over, over time, according to various codes. And those codes express uh, unseen and, and hidden biases, what McLuhan would call the, the environment. And uh, uh, it's that, that kind of aspect that I'm, I'm trying to kind of interrogate in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I find that you're generating also, at least for me, it's, it's this sensuous, sensual, I guess.
1: Yeah, it should be. I think on the, the other sense hand.
0: My, sentence, my senses were heightened, <laughs> not in terms of the space. Sure. But more in terms of, you yeah, know, the um, Taylor C- Creek was in the fall, right? Yeah. So at Taylor Creek, it was uh, my sense of being out and looking at leaves. What I see when I'm experiencing the leaves as opposed to just looking at them, when I actually focus on leaves or if I'm moving through space or if I'm in a car in that kind of landscape, mm-hmm. um, there is, it's is—it's—it's not a real experience either.
1: Mm-hmm. its
0: It kind of reminds me of other filmmakers just using film, mm-hmm. um, but using film to, like, Okay I know you have no connection to Antonioni but it reminds me what you're saying and what I was feeling the two together come together and remind me of those times uh, for example in, in Blow Up when I know that he painted those trees extra green hmm. because it had to be a certain shade of green and then they <laughs> stood out the shape of them stood out in such a way and so that when the cinematographer filmed the mo- filmed the movement of Them Say when the breeze came through and Antonio only uh, put them in at a certain point in a kind of in the rhythm of the film, put them in at a certain point to to sort of replicate someone's inner experience Mm. to heighten that. I wonder if I'm imposing this on your phones or if there's right. some room for that in I'll there. I'll have to
1: try painting the leaves next No,
0: time. no, no. <laughs> you don't have to because <laughs> the way that you generate these <laughs> images and and the way that you have um, constructed them, uh, the way that you have – I hesitate to use the word manipulated. Oh, but, it's
1: very manipulated.
0: Okay. The way that you have manipulated them uh, makes them as heightened as – when Antonioni painted, made a point of painting hmm. them a spe- specific shade of green.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's 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 a lot of chance in my process. That's that's you know, I'm, I'm taking the images uh, as I'm walking. I'm in 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 all the cases with these works, they they kind of evolved just out of an organic process of shooting. I wasn't really imposing the idea that I was making a film today as I was shooting them, and the fact that they kind of were completed as individual films was was a was a um, an idea that uh, that happened later on as I was as I was working with the footage, mm-hmm. um, but uh, uh, but as I'm taking the pictures because of the process, because there's 24 pictures in a second, uh, I can take a lot of pictures and and not really kind of get lost in terms of what I'm doing or or what came before it. So I'll just tend to kind of shoot these bursts of images, and then. Um, you know a lot of the time in those in, in the cases of all these films, I was out for walks with my family and I took mm. a couple of family pictures in there. Some of them make it into the film in in one layer uh, a lot of the time they end up getting cut out um, <laughs> Right. <laughs> some of them are, are in there in more cases' are not but uh, um, but uh, but there 's a lot of chance involved and and that that kind of painting aspect uh in 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 my work i 'd say kind of comes um, through the layering afterwards where i'll i 'll take the images and, and layer them on themselves. And, um, uh, basically with a lot of chance involved and, um, I'll, I'll, I'll see how far I can push it in terms of creating kind of an optimal density where the the, uh, the colors are vivid, where the, the forms are, are, are held somewhere between an atten- uh, tension and harmony, mm-hmm. which maybe resolves itself and maybe doesn't. Right. Um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, um. Uh, there's definitely a very painterly quality to the work in yes. terms of the color. I like to have these very saturated colors in in, in this type of work. And uh, um, to me, I find it I find it very tactile. And um, that's always been the critique with digital media is that it's not tactile; that it's this ephemeral uh, substance. And uh, I've I've tried to push back against that in mm-hmm. some ways because um, I feel like that. That's not really the the best critique, I think. Um, I, I not think the that, way you
0: do it, no. Yeah,
1: and I mean, film itself is already in a material medium. It's projected mm-hmm. light, so um, really, uh, uh, you know, I I don't totally buy that. I think that I think that in some ways it can be more tactile because there's ways that you can you can control um, images. Um, you know using using your hands through through knobs and things that uh that can that can give another tactile dimension to it there's ways of connecting it to to different aspects so so the the color and the changing and all of that to me it's it's a way of creating this kind of kinetic uh, uh um you know in some way hyper tactile uh and that's why i focus a lot on textures in the film there's a lot of close ups of leaves of organic material of trees and um you know that kind of thing
0: yeah so that exp- to me that explains why I felt that my senses were heightened my mm. my visual senses you know that I could om- or that I could almost feel them but I also had a different experience of perceiving mm-hmm. these these leaves which did not feel completely divorced you know um d- divorced from the actual sensation of being with
1: them yeah well everybody's seen leaves right so yeah it's, but you've this is find a some different
0: heightened way some of showing them yeah yeah but um, and, and they're
1: very short films it's important to add too; they're each about two minutes and uh that can feel strangely long when the technique is so unfamiliar for some mm-hmm. people yeah um but i find it around two minutes it's kind of an optimal length where i can say enough um but it doesn't go on for too long, so if people are really not enjoying themselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it ends um the the first piece that I did like that is twenty eight minutes actually and in in fact it, it it's that long for a reason because it's such a a different way of looking at images that that my thinking was it would take somebody about. Five or ten minutes to get used to that style, mm-hmm. and that it had to be a long piece as a result. Mm-hmm. And these are kind of really short bursts. And and the next piece that I'm working on will be a longer version of, of the same style. Of this, uh, of yeah. The
0: two, of the, um, yeah, of the three,
1: yeah, of these of these pieces, and it's going to have a soundtrack and uh, and be uh, interesting. Uh, go back and be another autobiographical piece. These other ones are all silent.
0: Yes, so. I was going to say yeah. that it's it's a different thing as well mm-hmm. to experience these images without sound.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find when They're short. um, To me, it just makes a lot of sense for it to be silent because they're images and I'm collecting them as images. And I don't like my process. I don't collect sound while I'm doing it. So to to make sound for it and to impose it on it feels um, kind of in a way that it it, uh, reduces the capacity for the vision component in seeing. I mean, that was Brackage's critique of of sound cinema. Sam Brackage, the American Mm -hmm. filmmaker. Um, But, uh, uh, and he made, you know, 500 silent films. And uh, um, in some ways, I think I I like making silent films because I like kind of carrying on that that, that argument in a way that it doesn't need to have sound, but I also like working with sound as well. So there's kind of a tension in my own yeah. work where I sometimes I like to use sound, sometimes I don't. Uh, these pieces are silent. Um,
0: they benefit you know. from being silent. The 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 dynamic, the kinetic energy, the, the rhythms mm-hmm. between segments, the rhythms across the entire piece, an entire two-minute piece, um, they benefit. They have they have a rhythm of their own.
1: Oh, I'm glad you think so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it, it,
0: it's clear to me, and I hope other other people experience it that way. Yeah. yeah,
1: it'll That's be interesting to see them on a big screen. I actually uh, don't haven't been able to see any of them on a big screen yet. Um, they have shown at a few other festivals, but this will be the first time I think that I've seen these films in on a, in a proper cinema. So uh, so that'll be that'll be interesting. It may be uh, may be intense. I'm I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) I think it will be intense. Yeah, yeah. And I I always tell the audience. I mean, some people are really precious with their work, but I always tell people, you know, if it's too much for you, just don't look at it. Just look at the ground. You know, look somewhere else. You can look at the light bouncing off of the walls. And uh, you know, to me, that's in a way great if if I get people to look away from the screen because if it's
0: too much for them, can you imagine what you're like? You're creating this situation where looking at moving images. Is too intense. Yeah, it kind of becomes of a problem. Experience? I like
1: that idea of it kind of becoming a problem because part of it, in a way, part of the problem. I mean, like, you know, I think a lot about uh, uh, the situation of the world in terms of environmental themes. That's why I'm really happy that these films were programmed at this festival. I think it was a really astute choice by the the programmers. And, mm-hmm. and, I and it's so it's, too. I it's not too. really something that uh, is uh, is a um, you know, an overt theme in a lot of my work, but it plays into uh, everything I do thinking about things like the IPCC report that came out last week, mm-hmm. which talks about the necessity that we only have, you know, about 10 years left in order to make huge social changes. Otherwise, we're, we're pretty much up, up the creek with uh, civilization. So, um, you know, I think these require radical reimagining, reimagining radical changes. And uh, one of the big stumbling blocks we have is that we tend, anytime there's a screen on, anytime there's any time of media playing, we just kind of sit there agog and just, Look at it and take it as truth, and uh, unfortunately, the people who own these these uh, uh, channels uh, don't really have it in their in their vested interest to uh, try to solve this problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's sad to say. It is, yeah. Yeah,
0: but it's interesting that um, we are talking about abstracted images. We are talking about painterly mm-hmm. images. You know, almost it's almost like abstract animation at times. Sure. Yeah. Even though you you're not animating. Well, it is. It's stop motion. You? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's right. basically I, I, stop motion. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah, it can get shown
1: <laughs> in animation festivals too. I actually haven't really pursued that angle, but
0: I think it, I think they would perfectly fit in because it. I was wondering if there was some animation
1: yeah well it's because it's assemblies of still images that's basically so, yeah, stop that's, motion so what stop motion is the only difference is that usually with stop motion animation, you have the camera fixed and you're moving around models in front of it mm-hmm. and with me i'm 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 never controlling what's in the frame, I'm just controlling the frame mm-hmm. so I just shoot what I see in the world and I move the camera around
0: yeah but what what I find interesting what I find great about um, the fact that they're programmed in an environmental film festival is that they give us a different kind of perception of the environment and a different focus, mm-hmm. you know, a sort of uh, an appreciation for certain things about the environment yep. and a certain appreciation about how we're inter- interconnected and how.
1: Well, this really this kind of interestingly uh, draws sort of to the point the point one of the, the, the movies that I have in the festival, because um, uh, the, the, one of my, my day job and, and one of my good friends, uh, Peter Mettler, I, I, I work with his production company and um, uh, Peter's a well-known documentary filmmaker and he's made a lot of films about nature and technology and the interplay between the two and uh, uh, one of the things that, that we often talk about is how the, uh, this crisis of the environment is really a crisis of perception. That it's really a a crisis of the way that we relate to the world, the way that we perceive the world. And uh, he has a film showing in Planet in Focus as well called Becoming Animal. Uh, It's the Canadian premiere. And uh, unfortunately, he's not able to be here. He's currently in Europe, and he's receiving a, uh, an amazing retrospective in Italy where they're showing all of his films over the next 10 days, and they've given him this award and um, so on. And he's then going to do uh, uh, the release for The Becoming Animal in Switzerland in theaters. So uh, his co-director, Emma Davie, who's a, a great Scottish filmmaker, is in town to present uh, that screening. And uh, They did
0: it in conjunction with the philosopher David A.
1: Abram. Yeah. Is he gonna be here? Uh no, I don't believe so. Um but yeah, so this film it's 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 a really interesting film because um uh, you may be familiar with the film Anthropocene that just came out with, uh, made by Jennifer Baichwal with mm-hmm. Ed Bertinski And, and uh, in a way, it's kind of a, a complement to this film, but in, in the opposite, where that film is is going all over the world and showing all of these impacts of of human uh, uh, endeavors on the world. And what, uh, uh, what Peter and Emma did is they went to this uh, national park in the United States with David Abram who's uh, who's a philosopher he 's kind of a, an environmental philosopher, and he talks a lot about uh, phenomenology, the experience of of being in, in the world in one 's body and and the act of perception uh, and so they they literally just went to the park with David Abram and got him to talk and they filmed it and uh, and it 's a really remarkable film because it 's just in this one place, but the whole point is is transforming our relationship to nature, and he does that a lot through through uh, through his his dialogue, through the things that he's saying, but also through through Peter's images, which uh, often present these unconventional views of of the landscape, and uh,
0: and he's it, just a breathtaking. The, the images are breathtaking. It's the cinematography. Peter Mettler is, is a master cinematographer as well as filmmaker. Yeah. And what he creates in terms of experiences of anything, and he often does focus on environment or landscape or or. Right, Things in the landscape, went or creatures in the landscape, and when he does, um, it, it that's a spiritual experience in itself. Sure. Yeah. And watching watching how he um, he heightens what Abram is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just takes you to a different level. Mm-hmm.
1: There's kind of an interesting. Um Series of, of of collisions in the film because on the one you have the different perspectives of, of David Abrams' voice and then Emma Davy speaking as well and then Peter also speaking so they each provide their own bit of a voiceover and narration in the film you see them all kind of in different contexts uh, uh, you know the, the the film kind of openly shows the 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 act of its own production somebody you see it see one see David Abram at one point talking and somebody holding the boom mic over him and it's 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 kind of uh, you know surreal and funny but also revealing this aspect and it's it's, it's very much about um, language and language is coming from nature and, and, and how uh, in a way uh, uh, you know the sounds of, of the river, the the calls of the elk um, relate to our own types of language, uh, you know, all right from, from the first inscriptions in writing all the way down to this audio culture that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a really exciting piece, and uh, I'm looking forward to being able to see it. Emma just presented it at the Imagine Science Film Festival yesterday in, uh, in New York City. That was the, the American premiere.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that, that's an amazing film, Becoming Animal by Peter Mettler, Emma Davy, and uh, featuring David Abram. Yeah. And I do have to say that uh, I watched your films first and then I watched that film. I knew there was some connection between you and Peter, but I didn't know exactly (laughs) what it was. And then when I watched Peter's film, I thought in some ways and now hearing that you two have conversations about the environment, about people, our relationship to the environment. I I say, I swear I there's <laughs> I have may have to write a long essay to to oh, really please. explain how I feel and what I saw but there's a direct connection between that dialogue hmm. that you now tell me that you have had with Peter I can see it between your films
1: Yeah well there's a there's a section in Becoming Animal where he um Peter's Peter's for the last 20 years uh, been involved with um uh, developing this type of image mixing software where he kind of remixes uh uh sometimes found footage sometimes footage from his films and um that became a, a um a part of his actual filmmaking in the in the uh, in his features in the end of time but in becoming animal as well there's this section that, that kind of uses this image mixing uh stuff and and uh the image becomes very uh, mushy and very kind of collage together and uh I think that's starting to approximate where I sort of start with my films. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah. Um, so so he's kind of, you know, he's kind of, uh, I think, kind of, um, you know, Preps it to that. Era. That's not to say that 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 I'm anywhere like like beyond the work that he's doing or something like that. I think that he's you know much more established and 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 uh, you know.
0: No, no. Uh, you have your, your, have your our, different stuff. We have our different stuff that we're doing. You yeah. Know. What
1: I'm, these these pieces are small sketches from mine, but uh, but there's an interesting interplay there, and uh, uh, it does speak to to some shared influences that we have in terms of of, of different. Uh, Filmmakers over the years and uh, um, different different visual traditions, and I think that we are both really concerned with that aspect of of perception and, and different ways of seeing mm-hmm. and different ways of challenging uh, sight through seeing in new ways, and uh, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the the funny thing with with media is that it it can be both kind of this. Um, Thing that separates us from the world—that that, uh, that, that uh, a screen that that uh, prevents us from being able to see what's out there—but mm-hmm. then it can also be this bridge, uh, which can can lead us to a new type of expression, new types of experience, a deeper type of understanding. So, uh, so so hopefully these works are doing that.
0: Oh, I absolutely think they are, and I absolutely recommend them. Um I've been talking to Dan Brown and he has uh three films and a bit of influence in another one. Uh <laughs> his, his three films are showing as part of the program that includes Island of Hungry Ghosts. Um uh, his films are Concrescence, Day uh sorry, Taylor Creek and Generation. And Becoming Animal, Peter Matler um yes, for exactly those reasons that Dan Dan just said these are, are definite highlights of the festival and I'm just going to quickly mention a couple of others uh before we say goodbye shark- Shark water extinction the rob Stewart film his last film uh, uh, after his tragic death um this film is uh just an intense dedicate it show- showcases his intense dedication to the preservation of sharks and uh his work his courage his work uh Everything, you know, everything that he stood for in terms of being an echo warrior and uh, his work as a deep sea diver doing that. And uh, the kind of corruption that he unearthed Mm -hmm. when he was working on this film. Um, He's definitely uh, was doing some investigative work that uncovered a lot. Um, And. In in his honor, um, Planet in Focus created the Rob Stewart Youth Echo Hero Award in 2017, and uh, so when you go to the festival, you can find out who the 2018 recipient is. And then just a, a short note about Island of Hungry Ghosts, which you know is screening with Dan's films, or they're screening all together. Mm-hmm. Island of Hungry Ghosts was uh, the winner of the best documentary award at the, this year's Tribeca Film Festival, and um, it's uh, got this interesting juxtaposition of um, this this pattern of migration that these red crabs—it's it's in Australia. Uh, these these crabs have um, to—they—they they have this determination. They always go out and fight to get to the sea. And so it follows their migratory patterns, and that's juxtaposed with what happens uh, when refugees uh, come looking for asylum, and in their migratory patterns, they're stopped, and they're actually imprisoned on that very same island where these crabs are fighting to migrate. Uh, So, and the the center of the film is Polin, who's a trauma therapist, and the counseling refugees and uh, and you get to hear the stories of, of the refugees strife and hardship so that's a very powerful film as well so I mean there's a lot at, at uh, Planet in Focus this year, Planet in Focus International Environmental Film Festival the 19th annual and uh, like I said it starts next week on the 25th and it runs into the weekend on, on the 28th go to planetinfocus.org So my thanks again to Dan Brown for joining me today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Barbara.
0: Okay. Okay. So always a pleasure to have you. You can always come back
1: whenever you want. Okay.
0: Okay. So that's it for Frameline for this week, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.